0: Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shawna replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Oh, it's so good to be with you. So good to come to a Freedom Friday where we celebrate the freedom we have in Jesus, how Jesus has set us free, how he is setting us free. And we've got an amazing story for you this morning. The early years of her life started out as a perfect storm. She had a distant father. She was sexually abused, exposed to porn at the age of five. She was gender confused. Her name is Jackie Hill Perry. She's an American poet, minister, writer, and hip-hop artist from St. Louis. And this morning, Jackie's story.
1: I was born June 21st, 1989, and I was born in a single-parent household. I think that already kind of established a bit of confusion in me just because I didn't have a father figure. My dad was very inconsistent. He would come into my life in seasons and then come out of my life. And so my entire framework of men for a long time was that men were not to be trusted, that men said things that they did not believe, that men did things that they did not uh, really want to do, specifically when it related to me. I was introduced to pornography around the age of five or six, and I was molested around the age of seven. So you have to understand that now I'm not only fatherless, but I'm also being introduced to sexuality in its preferred form. I'm being introduced to sexuality in a way that makes it seem as if sexuality is to be outside of marriage, but also that it means that it's to be an objectifying thing, that it has no dignity attached, that it has nothing to do with glory, and it has nothing to do with Jesus, it's just people doing what they want to do. So I'm already having kind of a confused perspective when it comes to sex itself. I think that's why our generation, millennials, if you will, I think that's why we're kind of jacked up now is because we have been introduced to sexuality in a distorted form. And so now when people tell us that sex is beautiful within marriage between one man and one woman, it sounds confusing. It doesn't sound as beautiful because that wasn't the original way we learned about it in the first place. And so that's where I came from growing up. I also had gender confusion. So I felt in myself that I wasn't supposed to be a woman. It felt as if this body was not my own. It felt like this body was a bit strange. I felt more comfortable being in masculine positions and doing masculine things. And honestly, to be frank, I believe the culture has assisted us in this kind of confusion. Because for too long it has made femininity and masculinity things that are not biblical. For somebody like me who doesn't like pink, who doesn't wear purses, because I don't like extra baggage, I would prefer to have my debit card and my phone in my back pocket. I have been told growing up that that made me a tomboy that that made me less than feminine. And so now when people start to question themselves, what they're questioning is things that wasn't even non-feminine in the first place. And so I just was just confused. And so I went to church with my aunt. My mother is not a believer. And so I didn't go to church with her, but I went to church with my aunt every weekend who was. And the thing about my aunt that was crazy is that it was just weird. Christians are weird. I'm sure y'all know that. Jesus was writing on the ground, you know, while people was telling people to stone people. It's like, why are you writing on the ground, bro? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) My aunt was a clear contrast to my mother. And I remember there were two situations where I saw how Jesus makes people different. The first situation was we were at a thrift store because she really loved thrifting. And this lady, I guess, cut her off. Something happened in traffic where the lady got mad at my aunt and she just started to cuss my aunt clean out. My aunt just this sweet lady with like a dress down to her ankles and listened to gospel all the time. She's just like, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And she meant it. And I was so confused. I'm like, this lady is talking to you crazy. You need to curse her out too. I don't understand how you just gonna let somebody disrespect you, but Jesus had changed her. The second situation was, I remember I would be at her home and she would be singing the songs. And as a six year old, I'm like, why are you singing a song that doesn't rhyme? I don't. I don't really understand how like nothing connects. It's just you and Jesus. But to me, it was a distinctive difference between how she lived her life and how I saw my mother live her life. Where to me, it began to do something in my own conscience and in my own heart where it's like, man, God really does make people different. He really does change people. But while being in church, still had these affections these same-sex desires i still felt in and of myself that i was not who i thought i was supposed to be but the way they talked about my struggles from the pulpit made me feel like i wasn't too free to confess that it seemed as if it was discussed in such a way where if i was to be open about how i felt that it would be met with stones and not grace It felt as if the church was not a safe place for me to be free about how my mind was thinking and how my soul felt. It felt as if I was a leper. It felt as if hell must have had a special place for me specifically. Like that's how I felt like I'm going to go straight to hell and they just going to have a VIP just for Jackie Hill Perry right there. But I think God was faithful in developing my conscience in such a way that though The church may not have met my feelings in a way that felt safe. I still felt as if how I felt wasn't clearly right. High school comes, that's when I got completely ratchet. Think of high school. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, high school just turns you into somebody else. High school, I just started doing what I wanted to do, started to become incredibly rebellious. I still am a rebel. I just try to submit that under Jesus. But I'm just not a fan of authority. I'm just not a fan of people telling me what to do. I was so bad. Please don't follow my lead. But I was so bad to the point that my freshman year, my teacher would hand me the paper. I would sign my name and give it back to her. And she was like, you didn't do anything. I signed my name. Like you didn't, (laughs) I don't get an A for effort. Like I just thought like she should give me a sticker or something. And so I was just a terrible student. I was a terrible person. High school dance, I was 17. This young lady that I knew from middle school, she came up to me and she asked me if I would be her girlfriend. By this time, no one had ever known that I was same sex attracted because in that season of my life, it wasn't a cool thing to do. And so nobody had known. So she asked if I could be her girlfriend and I was just like, girl, that is really gay. Like you need to get out of my face because I had to like front, you know, act like that's not what I was with. But when I went home, I could not get her question out of my mind. And I sat at home and I started to wrestle with her invitation. I started to ask myself, Jackie, like, you've been wanting to do this for a long time. You've been feeling these desires since you were five, since you were six, like, why not do it now? And so I got on MySpace. I don't know if y'all remember that anymore. And I, I messaged her and we entered into a relationship that lasted maybe six and a half days. After that relationship, if you want to call it that, I called this guy because in my mind, I'm like, okay, God doesn't like gay people. So let me just try to be straight. So I called this dude because yeah, I did. And I remember kissing him. It felt like it wasn't natural. It felt like it wasn't normal. So I made up in my mind that it must be that I am supposed to be gay. So what did I do? I got back on MySpace and I got into a relationship with one young lady who I was with for two years. In that relationship is when I transitioned into the role of a stud. So in the black community, a stud is the lesbian female that dresses typically in masculine apparel. She typically is the domineering voice in the relationship. She plays the male, et cetera, et cetera. I think in white communities, sometimes it's called butch. And so that's what I was. And in that world, I had boxers. I sagged my pants. I wore uh, sports bras that would flatten my chest so that you couldn't see it. At that time, I had long hair, so I would just put my hair back in the ponytail. I was never bold enough to do a low cut. I was a bit scared of how I would look with short hair. I was going to gay clubs, going to gay pride parades, engaging in that lifestyle to the fullest extent that I could, but while I was in it, the interesting thing is, is there was this kind of dichotomy of having fun, but not having joy. And I couldn't really figure out the difference between the two because I was enjoying myself. I loved my girlfriend, I loved my friends. I felt like what I was doing was who I was, but at the same time, I could not get a hold of peace. And I didn't necessarily know how to, because I felt like Christianity was just a bunch of duty, dutiful people. Like they just seemed, I used to go to church and everybody just seemed unhappy. I was just like, why are these people so mad all the time? Like it's just, I just didn't want to be that. And I didn't want to wear long dresses and just listen to only gospel. Like I just felt like that was what Christianity was. I had never known that Christianity was Jesus. I had never known that Christianity was relationship. I had never known that salvation was a supernatural work of the spirit of God.
0: Jackie Hill Perry, she's a poet, minister, writer, hip hop artist from St. Louis and follower of Jesus. And I can I can so identify with her story in that, you know, there's this quote that says, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And that's why, you know, just going my own way. Doesn't give me joy because I wasn't made to go my own way. I was made to worship Jesus Christ. And life in Jesus is not about rules, it's about joy. It's about knowing that I'm loved. It's about knowing that no matter what I think or feel, because I'm in relationship with God, that Abba Father loves me, that he's fond of me, that he likes me, and that. Uh, I'm fulfilled in knowing him as my father. And so if you're not in a relationship with God and you think that Christianity is all about rules, that's not what it is. It is a relationship. It's a relationship where Jesus comes to us in whatever mess we're in, and we just have to admit, Lord, my life is a mess. I'm going my own way. I'm trying to be my own lord and master and king and it's it's just not working out and i just i turn away from that i just i'm so sorry for how i've tried to rule my own life and i just turn my life over to you and thank you that that you love me so much that you poured out your life for me you bled out for me so that i could be forgiven and cleansed and be given a new heart and be made a new creation and so you know if that's just something that's resonating with you and, 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 you know, in this moment, that's really what I need. I need a new heart. I need forgiveness. I need to know that I'm loved, that I'm loved, that I'm loved by the God of the universe. Just call on his name.
1: So I'm in this lifestyle. I'm doing me The interesting thing is a Christian never spoke to me while I was in it. When I would be around Christians, they would actually look past me. They would look through me. They wouldn't look at me. They wouldn't talk to me. They would ignore me. And I'm not sure why. I can't judge their motives, but I think it could be two things. One, three things. It could be fear. Fear of how I would respond to them if they told me about Jesus. I think another thing could have been self-righteousness is that they assumed that my sin deserved more hell than their self-righteousness did. I think another thing could have been just indifference, no concern for how God was seeing me in that moment. But the thing was God was faithful to continue to work on me. So my convictions just would not let up. I think that's the thing about when you kind of grow up in church is that you know too much to be able to do things without conviction. And so I knew a lot about God. So my convictions would not wane and I didn't like it. I, I would be at the club and I'm just like, I don't understand why I'm thinking about Jesus right now. I just really wish this would go away. So I called my cousin. My cousin was the only believer that I knew who would not quote revelations as soon as we got on the phone. I don't know if you know any of those kinds of saints that just, just won't tell you about hell every time y'all get on the phone. You know, you're going to hell, right? She wasn't one of those. She would actually have a conversation with me, ask me about my day, but so I called her and I I was like, Keisha, I feel like God is calling me, but I really don't want him. I, I just, I don't want God, like I'm enjoying my life, I'm, I'm having fun, I'm like chilling, you know what I'm saying, like I could really do without him. And she told me, she was like, God is going to show you how much you need him. I wish she didn't say that because my life just became real bad, it just got hectic. So my dad died. That was sucky. But then I got some money from him dying and being the fool that I am, got on eBay and bought a car. Had that car for about four weeks. And then it got towed, didn't have enough money to get it out the uh, tow shop. And then I got arrested because I used to steal. And so it just was terrible. Like, it was just like my life was just becoming uh, ridiculous. And it felt like God was just making my life horrible for me to take notice of his goodness for me to pay attention to him. And I think it's a mercy because there are some people who are living wicked lifestyles and they are in lives full of prosperity where they don't even have the opportunity to pay attention to God. And so I think that my life being a little bit hard was God's goodness towards me.
0: And I certainly can relate with that, that God has allowed really hard things to come into my life, to cause me to turn to him, to come to him, to become more like him and of course, I've been following him, you know, throughout my adult life, but he still has used pain to draw me closer to him. And you know, when I was a teenager, I did know Jesus, but I was doing my own thing. I was running my own life. I was very immoral. And then, you know, God used a an ankle injury, a very painful ankle injury. To cause me to call out to him. And he came to me and healed me and showed me his love. And that shifted my life toward Jesus. All that to say that God does use pain. You know, not every piece of suffering is because of sin in our life, but God does allow hardship to come to us when we're far from him or we're not where we need to be to draw us to him. So maybe, you know, you can think about what you're going through in your life right now. And, and, and perhaps it's a, it's a message of mercy from God saying, you know what? All these other things that you're chasing, it's never going to fill you. All these other things just going to leave you empty. I'm the one you're looking for. Look to me and, let that pain just cause you to throw yourself on Jesus.
1: October, 2008, I'm 19 and I'm in my bed. I wasn't at a church. I wasn't at a conference. There was no altar. Once again, I wasn't going to church and I was in my bed. I was probably watching, making the band or something really irrelevant. And I felt God speak to my heart and say that the girl that I was with would be the death of me. It was deep because I felt as if he wasn't just saying that lesbianism would be the death of me, but that my life would be the death of me. I think a lot of times when we have this conversation about homosexuality, one thing we forget is that homosexuality is only a piece of the problem. I'll explain. One time, when my testimony came out, this girl, she messaged me and she, she went off on me and saying that I was being judgmental, being bigoted, et cetera, et cetera. And that God was okay with her lifestyle. And I asked her, I said, if lesbianism wasn't even an issue for you, would God still be pleased with your life? Would you still be reckoned holy and righteous? And she said, no. That question, what it does is it identifies that homosexuality is not the main problem. The problem is sin. Sin is the problem. That homosexuality is a leaf on a tree of sins. And so on that tree, you might have liar, you might have lustful, you might have pride, you might have unrighteous anger, but what needs to be dealt with is not plucking off one's sin. That's why you have some people that are saying, you know, I asked God to make me straight and he didn't. The problem was is you asked God to save you from one thing and not to save you from all of you. That was the problem. And so what needs to happen is, is that God needs to get a hold of the root. God needs to get to the root of the tree, change the tree through regeneration and sanctification and salvation so that the leaves now will bear fruit where you will see joy and peace and self-control and all of the things that the fruit of the spirit will produce. And so in me, I noticed that I had a big issue with the Lord.
0: Jackie Hill Perry, it really comes down to the heart. It's, you know what, the natural bend of my heart is that I want to be in control. I want to be my own Lord and Savior. I want to call the shots for my own life. And so it's not about just behavior change. Somebody has said that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. That's my story. I once was dead in my sin and Jesus has made me alive. And what we need is a new heart. God needs to do heart surgery, a heart transplant in us. I think of Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Listen to this. This is for you. God says to you, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols, all those things that you go after to fill the emptiness. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Maybe you're feeling right now, God, I need a new heart. Just ask him. God, do heart surgery in me.
1: So I started to compare the cost. I started to think about everything that I loved and their consequences. So I thought about, okay, Okay, I think it's been clear that God don't like that. I done heard that all my life. Okay, that's not good. Oh, I really like getting drunk. Man, that's a sin too. Dang, I don't honor my parents. Man, Old Testament it was very clear that that's not okay with God. Oh, goodness gracious, I'm a thief. Wow. Like, I was just like, everything I loved was terrible. Everything that I had affection for, everything that I enjoyed, everything that I did naturally, that... At the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. So I started to have this conversation with God and I was like, God, I I hear what you are saying, you know, but I don't want to be straight. Like that's just not something I want to do. And that disposition of heart that I had is typical, where if you meet those who are same-sex attracted, if you preach Jesus, what they hear you say is be straight. When in reality, Jesus is not calling us to heterosexuality, he is calling us to holiness. But it's hard to hear the difference. Hear me, heterosexuality is not the goal per se. Holiness is the goal because once I get to know Jesus, then he works out all the rest, right? I think sometimes people have become what I like to call heterosexual evangelists where when talking to the LBGTQ community, they will present the gospel of marriage or the gospel of being straight as if that is the goal of this life. As if when we get to heaven, we will have marriage between man and woman. Marriage won't exist. What will exist is the lamb and the church. Will exist in the bridegroom and the bride. So we can't preach marriage. We need to preach Jesus. What I came to see was that God was ultimately calling me to himself, that God wanted me to know him, that God wanted me to love him, that God wanted me to serve him. So I told God in my bed, I'm like, man, what you called me to is hard. I had tried to be saved about 18 times reading a little sinner's prayer on the back of the little books about heaven. but it just never seemed to work because no one had ever explained to me that salvation was a supernatural work of the spirit of God, that I can change my clothes all day. I can change my friends all day. I can start listening to certain music, but that would not change my heart. That would not change my nature. That would not change my mind that I needed the spirit of God to do the work. Work for me. And so I told God, I don't know how to do what you are calling me to do, but I know enough about you to know that you will help me. I had no idea that that was repentance because I didn't know that word existed. I had no idea that was faith because I didn't know that that word existed. But what had happened was is I saw my sin rightly. I saw it as unworthy of my time. I saw it as unworthy of my attention. I saw it as worthless. I saw it as not good. I saw it as an idol. I saw it as a lie. All of my sin hence, I saw it all for what it was and I turned. But I didn't turn to self-righteousness. didn't turn in on myself to think that I can make myself saved. What I did was I turned to Christ seeing that only he could save me. Only he could change me. Only he could renew me. Only he could sanctify me. Only he could regenerate me. And I had no choice but to believe. Faith is not optional. God was not suggesting that I would repent and believe in his name. He was commanding it so that's what i did and god saved me and i knew i was different the next day
0: that's jackie hill perry and she's an american poet songwriter hip-hop artist uh speaker and follower of jesus telling her amazing story of of finding jesus and you know it's not about following jesus is not about a behavior change at the core it's about having a changed heart I need my heart to be changed. You need your heart to be changed. Religion won't do it. Religion is outside in, but the gospel is inside out. And here's the gospel that changes our heart, whatever our sin is. And we all have sin. You have sin. I have sin. We do what we want instead of what God wants. That's really dumbing it down in many ways, but that's really kind of the essence of it. We do what we want. And we want to be in control. I want to be in control of my life. And following Jesus means absolute, total, unconditional surrender to the one who poured out his life for us. So so here's the good news, is that Jesus, Jesus lived out the flawless, perfect, beautiful life that we should have lived. And then he died in our place. He died on the cross in our place to take the judgment, the punishment that we deserve for doing life our own way, for being our own Lord and Savior, for shaking our fist at God, in essence. And then he rose again to bring us into God's favor. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we really throw ourselves onto Jesus and just you know, shift the, the weight of our trust from ourself totally onto Jesus. He forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And Jesus' perfect life is counted as our own. And he puts a new heart in us, a heart that wants to obey God. And he gives us the Holy Spirit, and that is the power to obey God. It's not coming into a life of sinless perfection, though, but it is a life that that seeks God and has a righteous direction to it. And it is a relationship where when we do fail and when we do fall, God picks us up and he forgives us and he cleanses us and says, come on, get up, little buddy. It's time to get back on the path. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what God calls you and me to respond to, especially right now.
1: I used to work at Wendy's, so if y'all want the recipe for a junior bacon, I'm gonna sour cream and chive potato, holla at me afterwards. They do have real meat though, I'll let you know that. I was at work and this girl walked into the restaurant and I was behind the cash register. And she was pretty. And I remember looking at her in, in typical fashion, what I would have did two days prior would be to stare at her, lust after her, objectify her, and maybe stare at her long enough to see if she you know, was on the same page that I was on. But in my heart, I was aware of God for the first time. And it wasn't as if God was never sovereign before. It wasn't as if I didn't believe that he saw me when I was in sin. It was just that this time I cared. I cared about what God thought about my behavior. I had a reference for him that I had never felt. My clothes were still the same. I still had my sports bra on and my boxers on. But this time I wanted to honor God. I think it's valuable to talk about temptation when talking about these discussions, because I believe some people in the church have propagated this kind of lie that to be set free from sin means to not be tempted by sin. So I want to kill that because I've been in churches where they'll say, well, you know, if God delivered you from that, you shouldn't be struggling with it. So if you're struggling with it, then you're obviously still that. That's still who you are. The truth of the matter is that can't be true considering Jesus. Considering that it says that he was tempted yet without sin. And so now to me, if Jesus was tempted yet didn't sin, then obviously temptation can't define deliverance. Then obviously temptation can't define my identity, but rather how I respond to it. And so being a believer means now that though I might be tempted, though I might still see beautiful women, though I might still want to lust after people, though I might still want to watch pornography, though I might still want to do things that are wicked in God's sight, now I have power.
0: That's it right there. As we begin to follow Jesus, as we continue to follow him, yeah, we're going to be tempted. I am tempted. I'm tempted every day. There are things my heart is drawn to that, that God doesn't want me to be into. But now I have a power. I have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It doesn't make me flawless and perfect. I do stumble and fall sometimes, but I do have a power to get back up. And I just find my life is finding more and more strength as I follow Jesus and learn how to draw from his power. Because a lot of times when I fall, it's because I'm relying on my own strength. And so when I fall, I realized, man, I was trying to do that on my own. So every time I fall, it really works for the good because God shows me how much I need him and it works into my heart. The failure sort of works into my heart, uh, this ability to draw more from God's strength and let go of my own strength. If you'd like to hear more about Jackie Hill Perry's story, uh, she's written about it in her book, Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.